Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 8. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, everybody. It's Richard Ryerson again. Welcome to another Dose of Leadership podcast. Hey, this interview coming up is a little different than most. It's You may not see Andrew Warner as the leader in the traditional sense, but uh, he is a true leadership hero of mine. In fact, Andrew doesn't even really consciously pursue leadership in, in what we typically think. But I chose Andrew because of his influence over the Internet his passion for teaching, for learning, and helping others achieve their dreams and potential. That sounds a lot like leadership to me. In fact, if you go to his website at Mixergy.com and you look at his Mixergy mission, you can get a sense that he really does lead from the heart. The whole point of Mixergy is to give each and every one of us an alternative to the kind of know-it-all professional gurus. Andrew, he wants to show you that the best way to grow is to learn from a mix of smart people who are willing to share their expertise and experiences. And that's a part of what this podcast is about, is to tap into the leadership potential of all of us. So take a listen as Andrew and I talk about leadership. As an added bonus, Andrew and I videotaped this. It was my first video podcast, so you can go to the website and you can watch a video of our interview. Anyway, enjoy and thanks for your support. All right. Well, I'm pleased. This is my first video podcast, but I'm pleased and thrilled to have Andrew Warner with me on the Dose of Leadership today. A lot of you, he's an internet sensation. And he's a true leadership hero of mine. Um, briefly in his story, he is an, pretty much an internet sensation. He is the man behind the mic for Mixergy, a website that's been around for a while. And he's interviewed over well over 800 interviews and he got 90 courses online where he talks to the uh, the it's for the startup. And he talks to entrepreneurs and he hears their stories. And I, what I love about him is He's a great interviewer because he gets the before and after, and you hear the before and then the after, and you hear some great, great stories about some great uh, entrepreneurs. So, Andrew, welcome. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on here. So bring us up to speed, a little Cliff Notes version. I know a lot of people know about you, know about Bradford and Reed, know about how you started the business, but uh, bring us just a quickly up to speed. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I want to get into the nuggets of what makes you tick as a leader. Okay. Uh, I had a uh, online greeting card company that I started with my kid brother right out of school. We built it up to 30 plus million dollars in sales, sold it off in pieces, took a nice long vacation, then asked myself, what do I want to do with my life and discovered interviewing, interviewing people who I admire and posting it up online on Mixergy. Yeah. And I became a fan of Mixergy. I came to you um, later than most, but I got to you probably last summer, started following you and, and, and became a premium member and bought the courses. Thanks. And uh, what I appreciate about you is that in um, December I was laying in bed and I have a speaking business and I'm like, and it's so difficult to get noticed. You know, there's so many people out there and I'm constantly reading, I'm constantly learning, I'm a passionate, I, just, I love to learn, I love to find stories, I love the, 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 the leadership stories that nobody knows about. And it just hit me laying in bed. It's like, why don't I interview my heroes? And that's the exact word that came into my mind. And the next day, I found on your site that says you have a, a PDF, a free PDF. He says, interview your leadership heroes. So thank you for kind of – it's you and John Dumas are the last two pieces of the puzzle that helped me kickstart this podcast of mine and the new website. So thank you for, for putting that content out there. So a, a special thank you to you. Glad to do it. And you know what? The reason that I wanted to do it is – 
I don't just want to watch these people who I admire build in- interesting companies, live great lives. I want to find out about them. Yep. I want to get to know them. I want to know if there's something especially exciting about them. How can I do that? Right. You know, I'm not here to be in the audience of life. I want to be up on stage or on the field, whatever your whatever your metaphor. I want to be a participant. You know, you sent a Facebook post the other day, and I and I got to tell you, I I stole from you shamelessly, and I had a presentation this morning, and I told everybody, I said, look, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you said you have that gentleman, I forget his name, but he came over and you brought him to his office and you had coffee with him. And you said you believe that we're not meant to be passive, that all these people that we admire, we need to interact with them, we need to meet them, we need to work with them. And I think that's so great and that's so beautiful. And I was talking to my daughter about that this morning. She's like, and she's big into, um, she's 13, I got four daughters. She's really big into drawing and artists and she goes, I want to create my own cartoon, I want to create my own um comic book and I, there's all these people I want to be an inspiration of others. I said, well, go meet them. Find your heroes and go meet them. And I think that's so true. It sounds so simple, but so many people are afraid to go and contact your heroes. But what I was surprised about when I asked all these requests for these interviews that I got coming up, how many of them said yes almost immediately? And they love to share their stories. They love to mentor. They love to teach. You've been doing it for quite a while. you got 800. Obviously, what can you think say? Think about the opposite. Imagine if you would have done what most people do, which is to say, Hey, um, I'm interested in learning from you. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain? You'd have heard no, 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 no from every one of them, I, my bet is, because people are tired of just sitting down and explaining to you how they do their lives and getting nothing out of it. If you at least broadcast it, you're helping them by getting their ideas out to the tons of other people who want to pick their brain and aren't going to put the work into uh, in, into recording it. We're going to pick their brain and aren't, or maybe even want to pick their brains, but don't have the guts to even ask for that. Yeah. You're getting yes because you're giving them something of value in return. You are getting their ideas out in front of an audience. You're helping them express their ideas in a recorded way that other people can, can watch. Let me ask you this. What's your, um, and I'm not going to be an interviewer on this, even, <laughs> even though uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I am an interviewer in general. What's your agenda here? How do we make this time that we have together incre- so useful to people in the audience that they say, hey, you know, I walked into here thinking I don't want to listen to something for more than five minutes. I'm used to just a two-minute YouTube video. I committed to doing this, and I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that I spent the time to watch this. Yeah, my agenda, I've, I'm, a, I'm a passionate leader or a passionate learner of leadership, and I think what really drives me makes me tick is is i'm common sense leadership is so uncommon if you will it sounds cliche but the common sense solutions that i see out there i think everybody you know wants to look for a larger than life charismatic figure they're thinking oh we need to, we need some great celebrity type figure some leader to solve all our problems yep. and I, and i'm so against that because the real leadership the real passion where things happen are those unknown stories there's so many beautiful leadership stories out there um and that's why entrepreneurship and you what you do it's tied together there's so many great before and after stories like i said and that's what makes your interview so great is that you get the person to tell the before well, I, I definitely want to do that, but more in the, in the line of the leadership side, not just entrepreneurs. I mean, like I interviewed Gene Krantz the other day and, and how he saw as an eyewitness to so many fantastic events in human history. And the core event that what drove him and what was so beautiful about that, it was always about the team and the individual and how he inspired other people and how he personally led himself. And that's what I like about you is that, and I don't know, do you even consider yourself a leader? Do you consciously think about leadership yourself? 
Oop, I lost you there. I don't have you. Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. I was saying maybe a little bit, but I'm not following. Is the agenda for the call to for this for this interview to talk about leadership of how I lead? Is that what you're saying? Partly, but I think okay. what I'm really interested about you, and I see and I see this in Dane Maxwell. I see it in you. I see it in John Lee Dumas. I see it in Pat Flynn. You know, all those that th- you guys are kind of the internet celebrity uh, uh, thing right now. But I see a lot of leadership qualities. I never hear you guys talking about leadership. I see some tremendous leadership qualities in you and Dane Maxwell and all those people that I mentioned. And so I was curious if, you know, what, how do you make it tick? What I, I hear a lot of people saying, I've seen it in your interviews. I see it when I, when I talk about leadership. What do I do next? They don't see themselves as leaders. And so I was curious as if, do you see yourself as a leader? Because I think a lot of people are looking to you. They, they're attracted to you and to Dane Maxwell and to Pat Flynn because they want something in their lives. I think a lot of people think it's money at first. And then I think as they, they dig deeper, then it's freedom. Um, part of it, say, I want to change the world, I guess. I'm less concerned about that, but I'm more concerned about your own personal growth, your own personal development, because what I've seen from you and I've heard from your interviews is that you have changed over the last five years pretty significantly on a personal level. And that's what I want to hear about in this interview is how do you, and how did you come? It's not about the, the techniques of the business. How did you become, when you didn't know what to do next, how did you take it to the next level? Or even now, do you still, do you still procrastinate and not know where you're going? Um, sorry, I'm a little bit lost. I want to make sure that I give you the right answer. So you're asking, you want to know about procrastination and you want to know whether, uh, and how, whether I consider myself a leader and how I lead. Yes. Okay. So it's like a three part question. So let's talk about leadership. First of all, everybody out there, I think feels like anyway, wants to be a leader. They all want to blog post and have everyone copy what they do and be, want to be like them and idolize them. Everybody wants a following. Nobody wants to actually do anything. And when I started doing these interviews, I I maybe felt that same pressure where I said, the guys who I admire are making statements like Jason Freed, who I looked up to for years. He has a blog where he tells people off, where he talks about keeping things simple instead of instead of adding more features. I'd like to do that, but I didn't have that. I didn't have that statement that I wanted everyone else to just follow. And it's a good thing I didn't because it gave me time to just shut up and listen to other people and learn from them and let them lead me for a little bit and let them teach me for a little bit. And along the way, I learned so much more than I would have if I would have been like the majority of people online now who just want attention, who just want people to follow them and idolize them. And so that's what I did. I just learned from them and... What I found was that over time, others were watching what I was doing through interviews and saying, hey, you know what? This is an interesting way to do things. I'd like to try that. And instead of saying, hey, this is my gig, this side-by-side video interviews, this is my gig to talk to people and ask them questions. Why don't you go do what everyone else is doing? I said, let me break down my process for you. I'll give you um, my list of software that I use. I'll teach you how I ask questions. I'll teach you how I guide an interview and put it out there. And people started doing it. And you can see today that there were, there used to be dozens. Now there are hundreds, I feel, people who are doing interviews based on this process that, that I've, that I've just done without evangelizing or promoting. And I feel 
that I'm lucky that I didn't have this big statement and this big, this big message that I wanted everyone else to follow back when I started because it allowed me to quietly learn and to lead by doing, to just do interviews and instead of telling everyone else that they have to copy me, to set an example of how you could create content out there, how you could get ideas out there without feeling like you have to be a know-it-all. Is that um, that's perfect? That I makes think, sense. I think that's where I was kind of getting at. Is what I appreciate about you, and I think is a tremendous leadership quality and trait, is that willingness to be humble and to learn. And I don't know if you realize how much. I mean, you have to realize how much you've influenced so many out there, including myself. There's so many others. I mean, just by doing what you're doing, I think that is a tremendous leadership trait and quality. That's the type of leaders that I, or the type of leadership that I like to profess. And so that's I was you answered it correctly or not correctly exactly what I wanted to hear is that and that's what makes your interview so great is that you do have a humbleness about you and I wish more people online and in life in general would kind of subscribe to that and I don't know I guess let me I show just, you the dichotomy of it here's here's how here's how most people are online when I started charging I looked at the message boards and the responses to my charging. And it was a whole lot of people saying, how dare you charge? How dare you create a paywall? How dare you sell content? How dare you sell a membership? That's the approach of most people online, telling everyone else why they're wrong and why the person who's typing the fastest or typing the most frequently is right. My approach was different. When I started doing interviews, I had Linda, the founder of Linda.com on, and I asked her, not how dare you charge, but how did you charge? How are you able to get people to pay in a world where there's YouTube that offers free uh, uh, educational videos? How did you get people to pay to learn Photoshop when there are books in the library that uh, that people can learn from for free or blogs that they can learn for, from for free or books that they can go to the bookstore and learn from for just a few bucks? And then I shut up and I let her teach me and I learned from her. And that's how I got better at my, uh, at my business. That's how I understood how to charge online. That's how I understood how to create something worth charging for online. Conversations like that that I had over and over again. It's the opposite of what most people are doing. It's the opposite of what most people think leadership needs to be. And it, it worked tremendously well. The, today, the reason that I have an editor who's going to edit all my interviews is because People are paying for the interviews, and I get to give them a share of, of the revenue that I get. There's a pre-interviewer, a couple of them, who do an incredible job prepping guests and prepping me for an interview. And it's the fact that people pay for the membership that pays for them. It's all that that works because I, instead of saying, I know what's right, people need to charge, or I know what's right, people should never charge, it's saying, hey, you know what? I don't really know, but I do know someone who should know. Let me sit and talk to her, or let me sit and talk to him. So where do you think the internet's going? Where do you think the interviewees, the podcasting, do you think there's, you know, John Lee Dumas was talking to me, do you think there's something special going on, that, that something's changing? Have you seen, you know, I, I'm a newbie to it, so I'm, I'm anxious to see what you think about where everything's going. I think um, it's going where everything's always gone, which is most people will be lazy, just like most people who started blogging when blogging was hot, stop blogging, and... Um, most people who, who thought the internet was going to make them smarter ended up gravitating towards dopey activities online like playing games endlessly and sharing photos endlessly. Um, 
But a handful of people will stick with it. A handful of people will say, Hey, I embarrassed myself for that interview that I did. I'm going to, I'm going to do another one anyway. Or I don't see real revenue here, but you know what? I'm going to find a way to do it again tomorrow and get better. And that's, that's the people who I want in my audience. The few people who are willing to continue, the few people who are willing to put themselves out there and embarrass themselves. A lot of my interviewees, have talked about selling something when it was half-baked, for example, software before it was finished, even selling software before they even started creating it to see if there was a market for it. Most people don't have the guts to do that. Yeah, Most people are too embarrassed to sell something they create and they're proud of. But there are a handful of people who are willing to try it, who are willing to put themselves out there, take a risk, and, and risk embarrassing themselves, risk failing, risk working really hard and not getting the result that they planned on. That's my audience. It Those are the people I care about. Isn't that part of the, the deal, at least a revelation for me? It, it isn't about, I think we all get into the entrepreneurship game. We get all into, you know, wanting to leave a legacy. That's, that's a big part of leadership. You know, a lot of people, leaders want to leave a legacy. But as you get knee deep into it, isn't it about, or for me anyway, it's about the journey. It's less about, you know, the revenue's great. We all do it. I think we all want to get paid. We all want to make money. We want to make a, a stamp. But the key or what's driving everything is the journey, is it not? Yes, and, and that's why I think it's important to find a way to do things repeatedly instead of even great. I'd rather be able to repeat than to be great. And I'll give you an example of what that means. When it came down to interview, and I promise this, is, this applies beyond interviewing, but I'll, I'll continue with this um, with interviewing because that's where we started. I knew that I could have started out by saying, I need the perfect lights, I need the perfect camera, I need, or the right camera, the right lighting, the right backdrop, the right guest, the right video editing. I knew that there are ways for me to show my video when I talked and show my guest video when he talked and then side by side when we're kind of interacting. I knew that there were ways for me to have, um, uh, animated, um, uh, lower thirds as they call them and motion graphics and all that stuff. What I, what I also knew was, that that's tough to duplicate. I couldn't get up every day and do all of that. And so what I found was a medium that I can duplicate. I said, all right, what can I do every single day? Hit record on a call recorder on Skype and just talk. How can I edit in a way that I can edit and continue every day and, cont and be um, consistent? Oh, well, I won't do any motion graphics, no lower thirds. If the program that I use records by having people side by side, that's what I'll publish and just keep it simple. And what I found is a lot of people laugh at you when you do that. You'll feel a little embarrassed. I know I did because I thought, well, the people who I admire don't do that. They have these beautiful production values. But I was able to continue doing it every single day and getting better and better at it and getting better at asking questions and getting better at pulling information out. And then in time, I was able to hire someone who could add a little bit of design and then a little bit more design. And then today I have three lights now pointing at me because I used to be so hard for people to see and I got complaints about it. I, I ignored those complaints for a long time because I can't go do lights and do interviews every day. I finally got, I got lights. It'll all happen in time. And this applies to anything. Yep. You can be the person who says January 1st, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to be the healthiest person on the planet or the healthiest me on the planet. And I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to then have my shakes and then I'm going to have my creatine and all that. I prefer to say, what can I do every day? I can run to work. 
Am I going to be as healthy as someone who works out an hour at the gym and does his creatine and protein? No, but I'm going to be consistent. And probably the person who does that on January 1st won't be around January 15th, but I'll continue to do it. Yeah. No, that's what I love about the message. And you're so right. It does apply to leadership. I think we get overwhelmed sometimes of like, we don't know what to do next. It seems, you know, and, and with you, and I think when people typically think about leadership, they think about it in the business setting and managing a team. And I know you did that with Bradford and Reed. I'd be interested to see how that experience, you know, dealing with people can be so painful sometimes. Did you have a good or bad experience at Bradford and Reed from a leadership standpoint on having employees? And I mean, was it burdensome? Was it enjoyable? Was it refreshing? Both. Um, what was nice about it was having an idea and then having a team of people who will come around that idea and help get it going. So told you that Bradford and Reed did primarily greeting cards, but we had this idea for grab.com, an online contest site. In the old days, if I was just by myself or it was just me and my brother, I'd have to work up the energy to not, you know, to not procrastinate on the project. I'd have to work up the energy to figure out the solution to whatever problem, like how do I get someone to insure a contest because I can't pay it myself? How do I buy ads? Well, when you have a team of people around and you say, hey, let's do this and they're all buying into it. Someone takes a piece of the programming. Someone else takes a piece of the design work. Some, uh, someone else takes another piece and starts writing the, the, um, the sales pages. And then we're all working together. And suddenly, if I'm not moving, there's momentum all around me. And I feel the need to move. And I feel the need to, to do my part. That was a tremendous help. What I didn't like was I don't like... I don't like the lack of liberty that I had when I when I had a team of people working with me. Now I feel like I don't have to show up to work. There's no one judging me if I stay home uh, in the morning. I always show up to work anyway, but there's no one judging me if I come in a little bit late. Um, I could decide to move to Argentina for a year, which I did, and there's no office full of people who are going to think it's weird. It's just <laughs> I still have a team, but... It's not all in one office, and it's because I didn't. Li- I felt shackled to the office. I felt shackled to the team at times. After interviewing so many people, has your I, I'm interested to know who your leadership heroes are. Number one, and if any of the heroes that you've talked to, I'm sure there's some heroes in those 800 plus interviews. Has your concept of the entrepreneur or the person changed over time? I mean, do you do you ad- who you admired say three four years ago? Is it different than who you admire now? pretty much the same. I used to think that it was a part of me that was um, cynical and I used to think that people that we all admired were just good at snowing us. Like if I, if I had met Gary, if I've heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, 10 years ago, I might have thought, hey, there's a guy who can really pretend to care and get a ton of people to promote him because he's pretending to care and get a ton of people to buy from him. I'm much less cynical now, and I was much less when I started doing interviews. But once I started to talk to people like Gary after the interview and get to know them away from their their public persona, I got to know that these guys are authentic. Mm-hmm. It, not only is Gary authentically caring, but one of his employees introduced me to someone and said, Andrew, you should interview them. I said, great, because it comes from you. I, I trust that it's going to be a good interview. Then I ran into trouble doing research. I talked to the person who introduced me. 
He helped me by, he helped me do research on this guest. He helped me, um, get, I think the book that the guy wrote and get some other information. And like he, it was like he was my employee, even though I had no reason to think of him as my employee. He cared that much. And this wasn't Gary. This was someone who worked with Gary and everyone who, who, um, who I dealt with in Gary's organization was like that because he's so authentic. It rubs off on them. And then I get to, I get to experience that. And that's what I found is I got to talk to people, um, who I admired. They tend to really be authentic. Yeah. I, I get that a lot from your interviews. And that was one I followed entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs my whole life, but there is an, uh, a vulnerability and an authentic, um, discovery that I found in some of those interviews that I find refreshing and it shows you that yeah you're right um, they are just like us and I think that's what most people like myself and others they get inspired to say hey I can do it just like them I can be just like them and that, that's what's great about talking and interacting with the people that you admire I'm curious about how you continue to produce um, all these years how do you continue to generate get ideas, what motivates you, and you're at a great position where you have the liberty and the freedom, you can do what you want, but do you still challenge with producing, and how do you continue to, to, to produce without you know getting stale or getting bored or getting sidetracked? I feel that a lot. Uh, I mean, I love interviewing, but there are times when maybe I don't want to do it. Maybe I'd rather go run for the day. Maybe I'd rather uh, get lost in some other project. But what keeps me consistently producing is that I schedule ahead of time and I schedule with someone else. So I might come into the office one day and say, oh, I'm just no good at doing any of these interviews or I'm no good at business at all. I was out last night with someone who was just so brilliant and talking to him made me feel like he's a real entrepreneur and I just know nothing. But I come into the office and I look at the calendar and I see, hey, I'm scheduled to do an interview with uh, with Guy Kawasaki. I can't just blow that off. Right. Let's go do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm scheduled. I do it. And then I realize, hey, you know what? I really like this. This is so much better than anything else I could have done with my day. And, and that's the way I feel, um, that, that's, that's what helps me continue to be productive. That I don't do an, I don't do an interview and then wait to schedule the next one afterwards. I schedule several in a row so that I can't weasel out. I can't give in to my insecurities. And I do that for just about anything that's important to me. Do you struggle with a lot of limiting beliefs even today? It's hard to identify limiting beliefs. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I have way less than I used to. I have much more confidence and sense of self than I used to. Is it because of the entrepreneurial journey or what, what triggered the confidence? I always felt very confident as an entrepreneur, but anything outside of it made me feel uncomfortable. Like I would feel really good going into, I used to work for this, this guy, Paul Cerbera on Wall Street, really intimidating how, how bright he is, how successful he was at an early age. And I didn't feel intimidated. I felt inspired and I felt confident like I could produce at my best around him. And same thing when I built up Bradford and Reed and saw all these other people who are so successful around me. I said, I'm, I'm here to play in this, in this, uh, uh, in this game because I'm good at this. What I didn't feel good at was having conversations outside of work. Cause what do you talk to people outside of work when there's no agenda? What I didn't feel good about and didn't feel confident about was exercising because that's for people who are fit. That's not for me. I'm much more of a reader than I am a runner. 
But after Bradford and Reed, I had a lot of time to just go explore the non-work part of my life. And I spent a lot of time running and I realized, hey, you know what? When you do it long enough, you get good at it and it becomes fun. Running is not something that feels great the first time you do five miles, but after doing it a few times, you love it so much yeah. that you can't help doing more. It, yeah. If you get past a certain point in running, it almost, you feel better. You feel worse if you don't run, but man, it's a, it's a long struggle to get past that point. Yeah. Sure. And same thing for anything, even yeah. like having small talk conversation mm -hmm. outside of work. Once you get good at it, you just love it. You want, I loved engaging with people. I loved getting to know them, finding out about their personal lives, finding out about their work. It's, it's fun, but it takes some time. It took me a long time. And once I accomplished that, once I got good at that, I felt like, hmm, this is me getting good at something that doesn't feel like it's a natural part of me. I can do anything. It's this crazy feeling that just over, that overtakes you. Yeah. By the way, for anyone who's watching the video, I don't know if you're posting the video or what, because this is your first one. We can't tell. If you're watching me sip something, it's yerba mate from Argentina. I lived there for a while, and I got so into your into yerba mate. Yeah, I saw it's that. Fantastic. I saw that post on Facebook, and I didn't know what that was, and I'd never heard of it. So that yeah, it's, it's, yeah, people thought it was a weed. No, this is <laughs> this is yerba mate. It's kind of like tea. They drink it out of a straw that ha that um keeps the leaves from coming yeah. up the straw. Great. Yerba Mata, right? Y-E-R-B-Y-Y-E-R-B-A-M-A-T-A. Yeah. yeah. What about, are there any leadership failures or big failures that no one knows about, Andrew Warner? Here's one. Um, I remember being at Bradford and Reed and watching two of my guys shout shout at each other just like you're a jerk you don't ever care about the 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 hardware all you care about is the software that you work on but i got to manage the hardware and the other guys talking about how your hardware is just stupid without my soft like yelling at the top of their lungs and then maybe even getting personal and i just stood there and watched it i didn't even say i didn't say anything because i thought they're adults no one should be telling them to be quiet no one should be telling them anything um, I started as an entrepreneur because I wanted to do whatever I felt like whenever I felt like it. How can I then tell other people to even lower their voices, let alone like what to do? And I just stood there, weak. And I wish I, I wish I hadn't. I wish I had a little bit of leadership training then so that I could, so that I could, um, so that I could guide them, so that I can talk to them in a way that will keep them from embarrassing themselves and regretting what they said. Oh. It, it's not it's not easy it's not something that that we're experienced doing no not as young entrepreneurs anyway yeah well I don't you know I don't know if a lot of entrepreneurs especially you know the, the concept of entrepreneurship and leadership combined but there are so many positive leadership traits the tenacity the self-discipline that it takes the drive that this having the attitude that I'm going to crush it those are leadership traits, but I never hear entrepreneurs really talking about it. Maybe they don't even know. And that was part of you ask what was the agenda, you know, and talking to guys like you and to John Lee and to Dane Maxwell and those types. Like, do you realize the influence that you're having on people, the positive influence? And you have the ability to have a negative one too, but you guys do have a tremendous amount of influence. And at the end of the day, that's what leadership is. Um, I do. And, and you know what? Um, I'm looking here to see who it was. There, it was um, Ethan Austin, who I interviewed yesterday, the founder of Give Forward. Give Forward helps people raise money for medical crises. And I asked him how he kept going when things were tough for him. And he said, 
we couldn't measure money. We couldn't measure traffic because we didn't have much of either. So we measured hugs. I go, what do you mean by hugs? He said, when someone sent us a compliment that they were able to raise money on our site for a family member, we considered that a hug. When someone felt inspired by a story that we posted on our site, that would be a hug. When someone just said thank you, that was a hug. And the same thing happened with the founder of FreshBooks that he just, he couldn't measure revenues and profits in the early days of FreshBooks. Today, it's a multi-million dollar company that's, uh, it's a leader in the SaaS space. But back then he didn't, when he started, he didn't have all that success. And so he said, I measured thank yous via email. Same thing for me. When things are tough, I, or when they were tough at Mixergy, I would get, I would revel in the excitement of getting a thank you email from someone in my audience. I remember even being in Argentina trying to figure out this whole interviewing thing and trying to figure out where Mixergy was going. And when I felt really low, somehow an email would come into my inbox and I'd show it to Olivia on the couch there in Argentina and say, can you believe how touched this person was? Can you believe what this person was able to do because of these interviews? And no, you can't take that to the grocery store and no, you can't really build a business on it, but you can get fueled by it in the early days when you're unsure of yourself, when you don't know where you're going necessarily. So where is Mixergy going? Where, where What's the vision you have now? I'm going to continue to do interviews and get better at them. I want to p- bring out the essence of people in the interview from an interview. And I want this to be the place where entrepreneurs come to learn about, about their, about their craft. Yeah. And we're going to learn from each other through interviews. We're going to learn from each other through courses. And that's never going to change. I'm just going to get better and better at it. You know, I talked to you about Paul, uh, Paul Cerbera. I remember one day I walked into work and I saw Paul listening on earphones. He had just walked in as I had, and he hadn't taken his earphones off. So I got to ask him, what do you listen to? Thinking it was some kind of music that would fire him up. And he said, Nightingale Conant. I go, what's Nightingale Conant? He tells me, it's this service where you can buy um, um, tapes that teach you about business. And I went on there, and I bought tapes from Seth Godin. Back when I didn't know about online business, Seth Godin taught it. I, I got uh, audio books and other uh, uh, recordings that taught me about confidence, that taught me about management, that taught me about how to think bigger, that taught me and excited me about business in general. I want to be like the Nightingale Conant of our world today, where I introduce you to great entrepreneurs who teach you what they do best. Well, I think it's that's, a no- that's a noble mission. I think it's great. And that's what's refreshing about making the Internet a better place. I think that's that there needs to be more of that. I think you like you said there's a lot of junk out there and and you are a bright spot in a, a very muddled place and so I appreciate for what you do out there. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the people out there, not all the. They're not that many. There's a small group of people who if you give them a laptop and access to the internet instead of spending all day looking at porn and looking at funny videos and gif files online are going to say how do I use this to create something better for myself, create something better in the world? If you take away all computers in the internet and all they have are access to books and libraries, they're going to find a way to succeed by going and learning there and building credible companies. If you find a way to tie one hand behind their back, either through regulations or through other obstacles, they're going to find a way to, yep. to leave their mark on the world and build something great. Small people. Most people are going to be watching Desperate Housewives of whatever that 
I'm only reaching and only interested in that small group of people. They are inspiring. They're going to change the world. And that's who I want is in my audience. That's who I want to be fighting with every day and drinking yerba mate with. Yeah. And I'm that you're one of those people. Yeah, definitely. No, and I, and you know, what's refreshing to me, and, and if I can just tell you a quick story of, you know, watching, especially and getting so tied up with where things are going and, and you realize that your world is so limited to Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, and that's all your world is and you see it and then you, and the desperate housewives and the, the housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever you're watching. Um, you realize and, and in getting exposed to what you're doing, what Dane Maxwell's doing, what the foundation, what Pat Flynn is doing, and, listen, and you, if you find out what his story is, there's a whole other world out there that not a lot of people realize or know about. And it, it's refreshing. And uh, it, the entrepreneur spirit is alive and well. And um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to share with us today. Give us one thing before we leave here. I know you got a phone call coming up. What can other guys or someone or guy or gal that's sitting out there and like, I just don't know how to get started quickly. What can they do? What's the first thing they should do? And they're overwhelmed with all the options of what to do next. Do you have any advice? Uh, one thing that I suggest to everyone is to learn from other people who you admire. And so my suggestion is throw up a quick blog or even use your Facebook page and Go to someone in your life who you admire and say, hey, this guy Andrew Warner just gave me a crazy assignment, but would you help me out with it? What I want to do is just ask you five questions about what makes you you, and I'm going to post the answers online so that other people can learn from you. And then come up with your top five questions, whatever your issue is. Like maybe you want to know how to avoid procrastination. So your first question to this person is who you admire is, what do you do when you're stuck in a procrastination loop? Ask them that. Maybe the next thing is, what do you, uh, how do you find your mission in life? Ask them that. Whatever they say, write it down and then post it online. Don't question yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Just post it online and go and do another and another and another. And if you want bonus and to ensure that you do it, I would ask two people at a time and then book them back to back. And after you finish the first one, before you do the second one, schedule with the third one so that there's always one more for you to do so you can't weasel out of it if you do that think about how close and how how close you're going to get to the people you admire how touched they're going to be by you for caring and asking them about it and think about how much you're going to learn if you just add one percent to your knowledge today and then another one percent tomorrow and another one percent that's going to compound you're going to be freaking brilliant the connections and the people in your life are going to be are going to be brilliant and they're going to bring out the best in you. You have that and you're going to be unstoppable. So that's my suggestion to everyone. It doesn't even have to be as elaborate as this recording and publishing video. Keep it simple and you can get it done. No. And like you said, reaching out and just uh, communicating with them. I've been surprised. I can't tell you. I mean, I've got interviews scheduled all the way through March with people I never thought I would be in contact with. And it was as simple as, you know, you were one of the last pieces of the puzzle, but it was just, I just asked. And I was authentic. I had no hidden agenda. I was just honest. This is what I want. This is why I want to talk to you. And they responded. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And we'll see where it goes. Andrew, I can't thank you enough. You, it's been a true privilege and a true honor for you to, to uh, sit here with me today. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. All right. Thank you all for being a part of it. Okay. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook. A guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. 
Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.